Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. everybody. Welcome to Marriage and Martinis. This is Danielle. Adam is not here today. For those of you who listen to the podcast, you know that in the party industry, Halloween is a huge time. So this past week has been craziness in this household. Uh, but I am so excited to put out this episode today with my friend, Michelle. And it's so amazing because things have come so far for Adam and me in the past few years. I mean, really, really far. And there was a time in our relationship when I really did not know it would last. I really didn't. And I wanted to leave. And there was this part of me that thought I was trapped, that thought I could never leave because I didn't work. And I didn't know how to make those next steps and to feel confident in my decision and to feel strong enough to do it on my own. And I now realize, looking back, that I was strong enough and I did have the confidence. I think I just didn't have enough examples of women who were willing to talk about what they had gone through. And had I had more of that, I think I would have felt more like I could make that decision based on my wants and my needs rather than what I felt like I could and could not do. And now today, it feels so good to know that there's this conversation, even I feel like just within the past few years, there's so much openness about leaving and doing what is good for you. And I now can say I am so grateful that I stayed with Adam because of where we came and what happened. But I know that that certainly is not always the case and that our circumstances are not always the circumstances in a marriage and in a relationship. So all of that being said, it was so awesome to have Michelle Dempsey-Moltak on the show because she is such a fantastic resource for women who, number one, are contemplating leaving their marriage, number two, have left their marriage, or number three, are even already remarried, co-parenting, or just have decided to raise a child on their own. Whatever your situation is, she's a phenomenal resource. And I want people to know that whatever decision they make, it's going to be made on the fact of what you want, what you think is good for you, not feeling trapped, which is really how I felt. Um, and right now, if you're watching a lot of TV and everything, maybe you've watched a marriage story or scenes from a marriage, both of which are phenomenal and have this amazing background about divorce and um, the issues with monogamy and the issues with long-term marriage and everything. Uh, and so the conversation is open. And now Michelle has released a book called Moms Moving On, all about divorce and what you need to do and how to be strong through it um, and co-parenting and all the questions that you want answered. So we talk about all of it in this episode. When we recorded the episode, the book was not out yet. It is now. I will link to it in my stories on Instagram and in the show notes and everything. But we talk about a lot of stuff that is so relatable, like how and when to know if it's time to leave. What do you need to do to prepare to leave? What stops most women from leaving? 
problems with co-parenting, all of these things. And she'll be the first to say she is not trying to convince anyone to get divorced. If anything, she tries so hard to help people make it work to stay together. But there comes a time maybe when you can't. And that's where she comes in. So please listen, regardless of your, uh, your, your status of your marriage, even if you're incredibly happy and um, marriage that you're completely satisfied with, just to understand even what other people might be going through and to help them. So please listen um, and uh, go out, get her book. I read it. I am still married. I learned so much. Um, and I hope you'll really enjoy this conversation. It is one that I think is so important and that we need to be having more of. So please enjoy Michelle Dempsey Moltak. All right. Hi, Michelle. Hi, I'm so happy to be here. I'm so happy to have you here. You're in sunny Miami, Dallas. Yeah, on the other side of the mic. I really enjoy that. So thank you. Oh, sure. I know you have your own podcast. I do. And it's so fun. Obviously, you know, and getting to know all these different amazing people and educating the masses. But I'm, I'm happy to come and, and be with you guys. I feel like I've entered the big leagues. So tell me about you. I mean, I know you because we're friends through social media. But tell everybody a little bit about you and how your account got started and has evolved. Sure. So my name is Michelle Dempsey Moltak on Instagram. I'm at the Michelle Dempsey. And I started about six years ago, like every other, you know, mama trying to be a mommy blogger. I had my little mommy blog and I was writing for HuffPost and Elite Daily and Scary Mommy about motherhood stuff. And in the middle of that, I got divorced and it was really hard for me to write about anything other than what I was going through because I'm transparent in that regard. So I I started getting assignments from these publications to talk more about divorce and co-parenting and what that looked like. And I realized that at the time there weren't that many people going to social media to talk about this kind of stuff. So I saw my following kind of really explode and everybody was DMing me like, hey, thank you for saying this. This is how I feel. Or I didn't know there was anybody else feeling this way. Or, you know, can I get your advice on X, Y, and Z? And so I started to really take a step back and say, well, how, you know, I'm all about social media. It's fun, but how can I make it something that actually matters and helps other people? Um, So that's when I developed my, my podcast, the mom's moving on podcast, where I started to invite on all sorts of divorce industry experts from lawyers to mediators, judges. I have the occasional celebrity on for like fun fodder, but I really wanted to be able to answer the questions that people had that I didn't know how to answer. And then from there, I decided to get certified as a coach and um, become a certified divorce specialist. And with all that happening, I thought it was time for a book. So now I have a book coming out with Simon and Schuster later on this year. And I'm really, really excited about that. It's called Moms Moving On, Real Life Advice for Conquering Divorce, Co-Parenting Through Conflict and Becoming Your Best Self. And, um, and I love what I do and I, I couldn't love it anymore. Oh, that's so good. And I, I, on your account and everything, it is so awesome to see the evolution. I mean, you write a lot of, I mean, I call them memes, but they're more like quotes, like inspirational sayings and everything. Yeah. And I've seen the evolution over the past few years as you've gone through sort of the healing of everything. Yeah. Um, and this, and this turn into um, what getting what you deserve and, um, you know, making sure that you are taking care of yourself and, um, so I think it's really great. I don't know how much detail you want to get into about your divorce and everything, but do you want to give us a little backstory just so that people can understand what it was? Sure. So it's funny you mentioned the transition or the the trajectory of my Instagram, because, you know, when you get those like Facebook memories or your time hot memories, and it shows you what you posted a few years ago on this day, my posts after I got separated, like in those first few months were so like, you know, when you see someone post and you're like, oh my God, she needs attention. She wants someone to ask what happened, right? Like, you know, truth hurts or like some stupid, like triggering. I was still in the stage after my divorce where I was just totally convinced that this divorce was all his fault. He was an asshole. He did wrong by me. I did nothing wrong. I think that's when 
around that time, I started to look at my life where I wanted it to be a year, two year, three years from then and had to really get serious with myself and, and get honest about the fact that my divorce wasn't all my ex-husband's fault. I would say we were two passionate, fiery people that just were very explosive together. Um, the bigger issue being, I came into this relationship incredibly damaged after a very difficult 10 years of my life. I, I kind of like, you know, if you think of like an avalanche, like I was in an avalanche that sort of just like landed in his lap and was kind of like, fix me. And, you know, your love should be enough to like solve all my problems. And he wasn't the guy that was going to take on that work. So we were like, always butting heads. Like I was like, love me, love me. And he was like, you should know that I love you. Like it, it we just were not speaking each other's love languages. Um, I had a temper, he had a temper. It was just explosive at every turn. So what really broke uh, the straw that broke the camel's back is, you know, something personal that I keep close to the heart just out of respect for my daughter and out of respect for her relationship with her dad. But it wasn't just one thing. It was a long time coming. Um, you know, and I blamed him for so long and his inability to love me the way I needed to be loved. But it was so much of me not doing the work on myself to realize that like, it wasn't his job to fix me. And I put all of this pressure on him and it broke him and broke us. Um, you know, he wasn't perfect either. He, he hurt me in a lot of ways, emotionally, not physically. I'll make, make that clear, but it was all a result of, I learned later on, coming into a relationship with so much baggage and expecting somebody else to unpack it for me. And I think that is one of the things that you can avoid in moving forward after a divorce. You just have to like get really real about doing the work and getting ugly with it. How long had you guys been together before you decided to divorce? Well, that was the other problem, Danielle. He, he proposed to me after knowing me for only three months which was like another indication of like, we're both, we were both like so impulsive and like coming out of our twenties, like, yeah, fucking love you too, man. Let's get married. We couldn't have been more different. I was, I had just moved down to Miami from New York. I was like the hard New York girl, like ready to get into a fight at a bar. And he's like the Southern gentleman, but like lived in Colorado for years and was like the laid back, like stoner guy. We were not opposites attract. Like, I don't know what that even was, but we just found each other incredibly irresistible. We were married eight months later. So we were married before we knew each other a year, pregnant immediately thereafter and divorced, or we separated basically three years to the day after we got married. I'm glad you're saying that because a lot of times also you hear, and I know people also who have, you know, people will say, oh, well, we only knew each other a few months and it was magic and we knew it was meant to be. And here we are 40 years later and things are wonderful. And yes, that is, that does happen. And that's of wonderful. But, but the difference is they know it's meant to be. I never in that time felt like, oh, this is the one. And I thought I was broken. Um, I would, I would say to my mom, like, why don't I feel that thing? And she'd be like, oh, you're just nervous. You know, he's a good Jewish boy, get married, you know. And and I all this time thought there was something wrong with me for not feeling that magic. And everyone was convincing me that there was something wrong with me when it just wasn't the magic because I felt it afterwards with my husband now. But, um, you know, it was a totally, I feel like it was like a, another life I was living. Mm, gosh, yeah, you know, one of them, things that we get asked the most because I, I'm from the, we started the podcast because we were going through a really, really hard time. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times people will say to me, you know, how, how did you, cause there was a moment where I was like, I really need to make the decision whether I'm staying in this marriage or whether I'm leaving it because you know, I it's, it's now or never. Like I'm, I was 40 at the time or almost 40. And I was sort of like, I got to do this or not do it. Um, so what was the point for you? Like that you were just like, that's it because people ask me all the time and I'm sort of like, you know, every situation is so different. Mm -hmm. My situation was so different in the fact that I did have those feelings for Adam. I, I did feel like we needed to be together and, um, and you know, we're also both fiery complex people, but yet the mixture, while it's bad at times, it's also really great most of the time. So I knew down deep that I wanted to stay, but I get the question all the time. How do I know when is the right time to leave? I do too. I get it. 
on nonstop. And I've done so many podcasts to answer that question, but I can never fully answer the question because it's so different for every woman. For me, I knew that this marriage was not going to work way before I left it, but that didn't mean I didn't want to try. I didn't want to just give up and quit and walk away. So we tried, you know, counseling. I tried pretending I didn't need what I needed and, and just focusing on being happy with what was. I tried giving him the benefit of the doubt. I tried everything that you're supposed to try. And my mom's advice, because my mom divorced when I was a kid, was you don't leave until you've given it like 600% because you never want to lay your head down on your pillow at night thinking I could have done something more. And I'm, I'm a perfectionist at heart. So that was important to me to like really give it a fighting shot. Um, I've interviewed so many people on this topic and it all comes down to when you know, you know, you have this deep sense of knowing. For me, it was, you know, we were just so far gone. The resentment outweighed anything else. Everything was kind of toxic. The, the intimacy was forced. Like it just wasn't what it was supposed to be. And I woke up one Saturday morning and I kind of just knew and like, that was it. But I had spent a year ahead of time, you know, kind of planning for if this were to happen, I was ramping up in my business, trying to earn enough money so that I could support myself in Bella if push came to shove. I was making plans to sell my home because I owned our marital home and I didn't want to carry a mortgage into this next phase in my life. So you also have to like be a little bit strategic about it. If you're sitting around wondering like if the right day is going to come, but you don't have your ducks in a row, it's going to be that much harder. So you know, when you're waiting for that moment where you just know, or that final straw or whatever it is that you need to happen happens, get yourself figured out. Like, where are you going to live? Can you afford the rent? Is he going to be able to pay you alimony? Like, what is your time sharing going to look like? What are you comfortable with? These are the things you're going to want to know before you feel empowered enough to pull the plug. Hiring for your small business. If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. And there are so many people who stay because they feel like they don't have the money. I mean, people stay out of fear. And, yeah. yeah. And it's, and that's what I help women with. Like I'm a coach. So most of the women I work with have not yet pulled the plug on their marriage. They want to feel a little bit more empowered. They know they want out. I think in all of the women that I've worked with, I always try to say like, why don't you give it another shot? My goal is not to get people to want to get divorced. It's to see when they really need to and how to go about doing it. Um, And all all of that, I think one person decided to stick it out a little longer and then inevitably came back to me and it was over. But, um, you know, I, I, I just, there's a fear that says, and I posted about this recently, that single motherhood is so hard. Your kids are going to be fucked up. What, what really stops most women from leaving from leaving is what they think it's going to do to the kids. Because one of the first people said, one of the first things people say is, oh, you didn't want to stick it out for the kids. As if doing that wouldn't have been detrimental for them. It's much worse for a child to live in a home with two toxic people than it is to live with two people separately who are working on themselves and trying to be happy again. So that is a huge reason why women stay. It's this fear of the unknown. And so I really help them get clear on you know, what science says, what research says, what actually happens, how to have the conversations with your children, how to not feel guilty through it all when society is like, oh, single motherhood is bad. Really some of the most successful scientists, actors, developers, billionaires came from single parents. So it's not all that bad. How did having a single mom, you think, affect your decision? It 100% showed me that if she could do it, I could do it. My mom was essentially an immigrant. She came to the States from South America for college, met my dad, who basically just destroyed her. She wasn't employed. Um, He was making lots of money, but like she didn't really have access to it. And then he was caught not just cheating with one woman, but like literally was like living multiple lives with women all over like the tri-state area in New York and New Jersey. And, um, and then she was left 
with two small children. You know, she's from another country. Now she's in New York. Her family's in Colombia. And somehow this woman, without so much as like shedding a tear in front of me, just like pulled herself together and made it work. And we stayed in the same house. And, you know, our, our, her family was generous in helping us and get, my mom eventually went back to work, which was watching her do that was so amazing to me. Like, you know, I knew it was hard. She spoke English, but like she was naturally more comfortable with Spanish, but like watching herself integrate into like this work environment where she stuck out like a sore thumb, but like made it work. I just felt like if she could do it, I could do it. And, and at one point I used the, I used the phrase with my mom before my separation. I was like, Ma, I think I was built for this. My parents' divorce was a nightmare that took about nine years to finalize. And in the news today, Bethany from Real Housewives of New York had her divorce finalized, which took eight years. And I'm like, oh, well, my mom's took nine and I had to live every ugly part of that. I had a very traumatic upbringing. So for me, it was more just about getting myself out of a bad situation so I could be my best self for Bella and she wouldn't have to like live through this trauma. Mm -hmm. And now you co-parent with your ex. We do. We have the lovely 50-50 co-parenting schedule, which at first was incredibly difficult to do. Um, Now it's just a part of our lives. I mean, my daughter was two when we separated, so she really knows no other way. Um, This is what she's used to. It's been hard for her throughout the years here and there, more so just because you know, she gets comfortable in one place and doesn't want to go to the other, or she's being stubborn or, you know, whatever it is, but she has a great relationship with both of us. And what's funny is how different my ex and I are and how much she gets from both of us because of it. Like he's like the cool laid back, like fun guy, you know, showing her the movies I would never show her. And like, they're listening to like Waylon Jennings on the way to school. And then she comes to me where everything's like, you know, very regimented and scheduled and in order. And we're listening to like go noodle. So she's, she's got the best of both worlds. And I think it's fabulous for her. Unlike her, my father wanted nothing to do with me. So as much as I want to punch my ex in the face sometimes, which is few and far between these days, I'm so grateful that he wants to play the role in her life that he plays. That's, and that's such a healthy way to look at it. And I have often said to myself, you know, sometimes especially when we were going through a hard time, but even otherwise, just talking to women like you, sometimes I'll say to myself, like, I wonder what kind of ex Adam would be, you know, it's so hard to put yourself in those shoes. Not that I ever want to be in that place, but listen, you know, I have come to the point where I'm like, I think we'll be together the rest of our lives, but I've also learned to never say never and not pretend like everything is all sunshine and rainbows. And, you know, I do sometimes say to myself, like, what kind of ex do I think that he would be. And, um, and that's a scary concept too, because I think you're married to one person. And then once you're not a team with him anymore, that could be a scary situation. So when you first got divorced, was it, I mean, now, now it sounds so healthy, but when you first got divorced, was there, I mean, was it super contentious? Yeah. Yeah. There's listen, no matter. My husband always says my, my husband's a family court judge. Well, now he's switched back to criminal, but he was divorcing people for years. And he has always said divorce brings out the worst in people. And in criminal court, it brings out the best in people because you're trying to be like, you know, but, but when it comes to fighting over kids and money, people get ruthless and ugly, not to mention emotions are high. Somebody's ego is bruised. So someone is always more upset than the other person. The person who leaves is usually the more empowered person. I was the one who chose to leave. And I think it was a really tough pill for my ex to swallow because despite the fact that we were not working out as a couple, he came from the old school mindset of like, you stick it out and you don't get divorced. Like that was something he never wanted. For me, I lived it and I knew I could probably live it again. So I was more okay with the idea of it. So he was definitely more upset I mean, I was angry at him, like from here to the hills, but I learned to get over that more quickly because my anger wasn't going to serve anybody well in that time. Bella needed me like a-okay. I needed to be a-okay in front of her for her to want to be with him, but he had a harder time. And, 
you know, was it contentious in the fact that like we fought over every little thing in court? No, but communicating was really difficult because I was trying to like, you know, act like everything was fine and he was not fine. And, and he wanted that notion validated. And so it took about a year where we really were able to like, okay, two years, if I'm being honest, where we could have conversations without finger pointing or could have conversations without somebody being triggered. Um, and I think people need to expect that. I have so many clients who are like, you know, he's so kind and we've talked about splitting up and I know he's going to be amicable. Listen, mm -hmm. that's a nice thought, but the second your ex-husband or soon to be ex-husband goes and sits with an attorney, that attorney is going to light such a fire under his ass where all of a sudden that nice amicable personality, like you're like, where did that go? Because now the attorney is saying, don't give her this, don't give her that fight for this fight for that. And you're like, what the hell is happening? The divorce process turns people temporarily. That being said, what's now is not forever. The tide always changes. And if you would have told me four years ago, Danielle, that one day my ex-husband would be sitting at my dining room table with my new husband and family, I would have told you you're out of your mind, but that's what we have now. Is it healthy? Yes. Ish. Is it hundred percent? No, it's still can get toxic and ugly at times, but we're in a place now where we both are deeply committed to Bella's well-being. And I, and I always say it in my coaching sessions, the best mindset you can have in the divorce and in co-parenting is WWBMC, what would benefit my child? And if you go by that, it's a much better way to live. I just heard an, a, a kind of off topic, but I just heard an interview with Eddie Murphy. I'm obsessed now that coming to America too. Came oh yeah. My whole family is obsessed. And I just heard it an was so good. It was so good. I yeah. loved it. Um, I, I was so like pleasantly surprised, but I just heard an interview with him where he was saying, um, cause he can, you know, he, he's sort of known in the industry. I think some people think that he sort of got a little arrogant in his day or whatever. And, um, and he was sort of trying to clear that up. And he was saying that, you know, no, every decision that I made in, you know, in my business and everything, I learned that any decision I made, I made with my kids, you know, for my kids. So that's really what that was. That wasn't me being, it wasn't selfishness. It was the opposite. It was that if you make a decision based on your kids and what's best for them, then nothing, you know, you'll never make the wrong decision. I mean, I agree with that. And I don't agree with that because I think then some people are going to say, well, isn't it best if my husband and I stay together for my kids? No. And, and no, exactly. Yeah. You know, no. So I think also, you know, what appears to be the right decision for your kids isn't always. Um, I think a lot of kids actually don't, don't want their parents to stay together, right? Isn't that kind of true? I hear from adult women all the time who, whenever I do a post about how it's not best to stay together for your kids, I have so many women say, thank you. My parents did that and all I wanted was for them to get divorced so they wouldn't be fighting anymore. Or my parents did that and I never knew what an example of a healthy relationship was because they slept in separate rooms and barely made eye contact. Um, you know, I think the notion of marriage being... The, what completes a family is very outdated. There are so many different ways to have a family right now. And our friend Abby from Mimosas with Moms put out this book, The ABCs of Families. And I love that for my daughter because it talks about blended family, same sex parent family. There's so many different ways. Some people choose not to get married. I have, I have a friend who just is in a partnership. You know, it doesn't need to be marriage that completes your children. What completes your children at the end of the day is stability, consistency, and an emotional safe space. So if you can be that for your child, Harvard research shows you, children only need one stable parent to thrive in their lives. Like this is one of my favorite facts to share because if you're staying in a marriage where you can't be that rock for your kid because you're so caught up in the ugliness of the marriage and the resentment and the unhappiness, that is far worse for your child than you being on your own and being able to give your all 100% to motherhood. So I, I just really would like to like debunk that whole mindset because it makes me crazy. Yeah, I, I think that I when we were going through the hard time in our marriage and Adam was gone a lot, um, and I, you know, my, I would wake up in the morning and he hadn't come home 
And I would think to myself, oh, my God, I'm going to have to tell my kids that dad isn't here right now. And I was sort of like, well, if I'm constantly having to say that to them, isn't it better to just separate and then they know he's not going to be there and he they know they know what to expect you know like you said consistency Mm -hmm. and those are all when we're going through those times if if you go through those times those are all things that are sort of like wait a minute is is this taking more or less energy than what would be if and and had it not changed you could damn well bet I would have gotten divorced right and and it's we forget like Kids are very literal and they do not do well with gray area. Like they want, they need concrete responses. You can't give them these maybes, you know, whenever like Bella's like, but can I have candy after school? And I'm like, maybe she's like, but what does that mean? You know, they, they need to know they don't live well in the space of like being unsure, which leads me to this other notion that I like to debunk that co-parents have to be best friends because it's what's best for their kids. First of all, no, the idea that the pressure to put on yourself for that is, is absurd because you're going to make yourself crazy and you're going to feel like a failure. There is no way to be best friends with your ex spouse right out of the gate. Years later, can it happen? Sure. There are all these great co-parenting accounts that are like, Hey, look, we took Christmas pictures together. But if you talk to them, cause I have talked to them, you know, the, one of my favorite is our happy divorce. I don't know if you follow them, Ben and Nikki are exes and They are co-parenting beautifully together. They live on the same block now, but it took Ben like 13 years to get to that point. He was angry and angry and angry and just hated her. And then eventually the other shoe drops and he realized I can't do this anymore. So if you're going to be best friends with your ex, more power to you. It's better to have, you know, amicability than animosity, but it's also confusing for children. Like if my ex is coming to my house every night for dinner or every weekend, Bella's going to be like, huh? Like you guys are, you guys have two totally separate lives. In fact, last weekend after her soccer game, I went with my husband and stepdaughter. My ex came, my parents came. We decided we were all going to go out for lunch after. Bella didn't know. So when we sat down at the table, just me and my side, and then all of a sudden her dad walked in, she freaked. She like went under the table. She didn't know what to do. She was like, what is happening here? Because sometimes it's too much for her two worlds to collide. And since her dad and I spend a lot of time together on the soccer field, being there for her, she's now gotten like a little confused. Like Friday night, she was going to her dad's and she's like, well, can't you just come? You hang out with daddy all the time anyway. Can you sleep over too? And that's where the lines get blurred and they get confused. So if you want to have an amicable relationship with your ex, that's the best way to go. Keep these interactions to a minimum in the beginning, because when you are trying to get your children's heads wrapped around this crazy idea that their parents are going to be separated and and living in two different spaces and and forming two different lives, the less interaction you have all together, the more they're going to understand what this means for them. And the transition between like the separation of the two parents, one thing that I think to myself is that, especially with this pandemic and everything, that kids can go through these things and be fine. I mean, we, they are surviving a pandemic. They can survive a divorce. And, and in the middle of the pandemic, we kind of suddenly threw it upon our kids that we were going to move. And I was so scared that it, I mean, they were in a pandemic and they were, you know, not seeing their friends and they were worried about getting sick and they were all these things. And then I throw on them, we're moving out of the house that you've lived in for the past six years to another house, to another neighborhood away from the people, you know, and everything. And I thought it would really break them. They were fine. Kids are so much more resilient and adaptable than we give them credit for. It's us. Right. We freak out because we may not be good with it or because we're older and more set in our ways and know more about how change can affect lives. It, it, I did the same thing with my daughter three months into the school year, I had to switch her school because her teacher wasn't going back in person. I wanted her to go back in person. I was like bracing myself for chaos and trauma. She walked right into her new school, barely so much as waved to me and came out and had a great day. And I'm like, here I am with like a nervous stomach, had to cancel my day because I'm expecting like the worst to happen. Kids are really resilient and adaptable. And, you know, where this change leads to trauma, where it becomes traumatic 
is in how the two, the adults in their lives handle things from that point after. Like if you move to the new house and every day you were like, fuck this new house, this sucks, I hate it. I don't know anybody here. You know, this, this toilet doesn't flush right. Then they're not gonna be as okay with it, right? But like they, their barometer for how to feel is how we're acting. So when it comes to divorce, when you're transitioning to a new phase of separation, the better and more in control you are, the better your kids are gonna feel. The less you make an issue of something, you know, if, oh my God, you're going to daddy's house and I'm going to miss you so much. And mommy doesn't know what she's going to do. And uh, no, then your kid's going to feel like shit and begin to have loyalty binds that will traumatize them well into adulthood. Have so much fun at daddy's. You're so lucky. You get to go set up your new room. I can't wait to hear about your weekends. That's the way you handle it. And inevitably, like I said, you know, what you are and what you put out is what your child is going to feel and what they'll take with them. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned now you're remarried. I am remarried. Uh, So what did that, I know that there are people out there who are saying to themselves, you know, one of the other big scary things, especially, you know, I'm 43 and I know a lot of our listeners are in their forties or fifties and they say to themselves, am I going to find somebody else? That is really scary too. Um, And, you know, was that a concern for you or were you, was dating again, especially with your daughter? Was that a concern? Yeah. Listen, I mean, the thought definitely crosses your mind. Like, am I going to be alone forever? And, you know, none of us have a crystal ball. I'm not Miss Cleo. I couldn't have predicted it, but I did feel in my heart of hearts way before I left my marriage that like, this wasn't a fair shot at marriage. And that if I did the work that I, I still could take a chance on love and have it work out. I knew at that point, I didn't know going into my marriage, what childhood traumas were going to come to the top or what I needed to fix about myself or how I even wanted to be loved. I didn't know any of those things. So getting clear on that, I was able to leave the marriage and say, okay, this is what I know I want. If it doesn't come, it doesn't come, but I'm not taking anything else. And I got so comfortable with myself for the first time in a long time. I had never really been single. I literally went from one relationship to the next my whole life. And I was very happy being by myself. And I think that's really important. Like, look, marriage is even a good marriage. It's the same shit day in and day out, right? It's not like all rainbows and butterflies. And once you're in a marriage, you know that like over time, that excitement and passion wears off. You have to work for it. So while you have that time by yourself, why not enjoy it and like make the most of it and thrive in it. And if something does come along, great. Like now you're going to be the best version of yourself in it because you're not looking for it to totally complete you. And that's what I tried to steer away from. I didn't want to have to still feel like I needed a relationship to complete me. Right. But then I found someone amazing, which is the irony of all that. When I'm finally like comfortable in my own skin and like loving the hell out of living alone with Bella and like decorating however I wanted to and having my coffee in bed and nobody bothering me. Then I found someone, I found my, my person. And it was that love that I knew I would always have one day. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing. However you cha-ching Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business from the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage Shopify is there to help you grow Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. So, okay. So as a divorce coach, mm-hmm. what are three things someone who is thinking about leaving their marriage or just left their marriage? What do people need to know? What are the myths? What are the misconceptions? Um, like what are some things that everybody needs to know? Well, first, I think you need to know that you're getting divorced. You didn't die. So like essentially your life is not over. It's like losing a friendship or losing a job or getting your car stolen. Like something has to shift and that's all you make that shift. And if you, if you really want to be successful in your moving on journey, you have to look forward, look backwards and, and 
take stock in the mistakes that you've made and the things that you don't want to take with you into the future. But the second you find yourself like ruminating or getting stuck in the past, like realize that that was just a phase of your life to get you to where you want to be now. The second thing would be to have a plan, you know, financially, you, you can't ignore the fact that this is super important. Like you are going to have to exist on some level with being able to maintain the lifestyle you're accustomed to, or at least pay your rent, pay an attorney so that you can get divorced. Um, and the third thing would be like, have an open mind. Divorce and the journey is different for everybody. If you wake up two months from D-Day and feel absolutely great and ready to live your life however you want to live it again, go with that. You can't follow the advice of people who haven't been in your shoes. The people who say, oh, isn't it too soon for you to be like out and about having fun? Or is it too soon for you to be dating? You have to do what feels right because ultimately if you've taken, if you've chosen the path of divorce, you've made a really hard choice and you deserve to let the universe reward you a little bit for that. So do what feels right and don't let anybody like put you in any sort of container of, you know, what they think is the norm for your life thereafter. Mm -hmm. It's yeah. You brought up, you know, what people say. I think that's another reason why people don't leave. And that was certainly something that was scary to me uh, always was, you know, how do I, how do I tell my parents? How am I going to tell the people around me? And, you know, how am I, what, what's that going to look like when I update my Facebook status? I mean, it sounds ridiculous, but I know it's true. And I know that that's what people are thinking about. So what do you say to people about that? I opened my book with, with a story about this, where not long after my separation, I went with my mom for coffee one morning at the coffee shop where like everybody in our community goes. So you're kind of walking into the lion's den. And this woman who's friends with my mom came over to me and was like, I, oh my God, I'm so sorry to hear about your divorce. And I was like, so on edge about it that I was like, why I'm not. And my mom was like, Michelle, can you at least act like not a sociopath? Like maybe you're a little bit sad too. And I'm like, I'm mom, I'm not sad. Like I was sad a year ago when my marriage was imploding and I didn't know what to do. Like I'm fine now. And I think what people say to you or ask you about your divorce is bound to be triggering, but you have to understand that it's coming from a place of fear and not knowing. So I had plenty of people who said, oh my God, I'm so sorry. And asked all of these ridiculously invasive questions, which pissed me off at the time, but come to find out years later that many of them were suffering quietly in their own marriages and have now gotten separated. Then you have the people who go completely off the radar and don't say anything at all. Why? because they're terrified of your reality and they don't want to have to live in that reality one day. So they put up this wall and they're like, okay, but I don't have to hear about her divorce. I don't have to think about how ugly my life could be one day or whatever. People are going to ask annoying questions. People are going to say things. I just posted about this last night, like, but why he was such a nice guy or you didn't want to work it out for the kids or I am so sorry. You didn't want to try harder. Are so you know, <laughs> it's annoying and you want to slap somebody, but you really just have to realize it. It comes from perspective and you can't expect people to understand if they haven't walked in your shoes. So, you know, I give it a little grace now. I don't like pop off like I did at the coffee shop four years ago. I just say, you know, there's a whole long story before the actual divorce happens. And I smile and I walk away because, you know, I know that they can either be deeply so fearful of ending up in the same space or just inquisitive because they need gossip for their card game later. You know, like I, I don't take it personally anymore, but I know it's hard not to take personally in the beginning. So if you're worried about what people are going to say, and that's keeping you in your marriage, girl, you're in it for the wrong reasons. Mm, yeah. Talk to me about healing because that is, I think where you're really, I mean, it's so evident from everything that you post and your confidence. And um, it's obvious that you've done a fantastic job of taking care of yourself and obviously your daughter and really um, like being in the thick of it, owning it and moving forward. Yeah. Well, you know, I love the saying, you got to feel to heal. Like I, like I said, grew up in a very unstable, traumatic childhood situation. I had unresolved and undealt with PTSD. Um, I lived a lot of ugliness at a very like vulnerable time in my life. And nobody ever really took me and said, Hey, Michelle, we got to work on these things so that you can be a healthy adult and have like fulfilling, healthy relationships. Nobody ever did that. And then I suffered another huge blow in my early twenties, followed by a 
devastating car accident in my late twenties. I broke everything from the neck down, basically life as I knew it just like ended. I lost my job. I, you know, my friends were like out partying. Nobody was coming over to hang out with me. I spent four months in bed, having surgeries, healing, unable to walk. And that was like a very physical healing period for me because obviously my body's learning how to function again. And I'm, you know, making a pact with myself to be as healthy as I can be from that point on because I owe my body so much better. And from then I, from there, I moved to Miami and you can't really change the scenario. Like your problems are going to follow you. Nothing up here in my head had been fixed. So then I meet my ex and it all comes out like, like, like spewing, like, like, like in poltergeist like, or, or the exorcist, everything's coming out like nonstop. My, my trust issues, my insecurities, my abandonment trauma, like I had so much and it was all just like vomited out to my ex-husband. And somebody had to fix that. He couldn't. So when my marriage ended, I was like, all right, I, I can't do this to the next guy. And if I want to live a happy life and I want Bella to have like a healthy role model of a woman in her life, I got to get my shit together. And that's when I became obsessed with healing. I learned a lot about trauma and resilience. Um, I realized my passion for moving forward was rooted in my trauma. Like when you've been through trauma, you develop this incessant need to survive and that was the good part of my trauma. Now, the bad part was all of the unresolved trust issues and insecurities and self-doubt um, and, and attachment. I had a really bad attachment style, uh, anxious attachment style in my relationships. And so that's where I did the work in therapy. And I, you know, I had like just a regular therapist, a co-parenting therapist. I work with an eating disorder therapist. I've had Bella in therapy since she could like basically talk and there's so much power in that. There's so much power in being able to sit with my co-parenting therapist and say, I don't like the way it feels when my ex says this to me, how can I work on that and be better? Like if you're not striving to be better in your life, you're missing the boat because we can all grow and heal from something. We've all been through something that has impacted us. And I'm, I'm pretty obsessive with the whole healing thing because I never thought I could be in a space in my life where I could look in the mirror and like what I saw, or I can trust in the fact that my partner loves me no matter what. If I gain 10 pounds, if, you know, I fuck up at work, whatever it is, he's got my back, but I never used to be able to trust in that. So it's, it's nice. It's really nice to have put myself through the work and have had to go through it and spend the money and the time crying on multiple professionals couches. Um, and I think you owe it to yourself and your children to be the best version of yourself. So why not confront, you know, the devil that lived inside of you for so long and just like exercise the demons, you know? Yeah, no, definitely. And now there is so much support. I mean, you're talking about you're a divorce coach and there's, you're saying a co-parenting therapist and all these people that I don't even know if people realize how much of this exists because when you're married, you're not really looking for it. Yeah. You don't even realize that. I mean, I didn't really know until, you know, just because of social media and, and my place in it that I kind of know that this stuff exists. But yeah. I think that people don't realize they're so worried about being alone, but there is so much support out there. And also I feel like there's a, a, a real big um, community of, of divorced moms yeah. who really have each other's backs and who really support each other. Yeah. Listen, nobody can support you through your divorce, like another woman who's been through it. And that's why I started my membership community because there were so many women coming to me saying, you're the only person I know, but I don't even really know you. So I created a membership community for women who are looking to just engage and get to know and feel less alone and who want to reap the benefits of one-on-one -on -one coaching at like a much more affordable price. And through that, there's a Facebook community and I do private workshops for our members where they get to know each other. And I do group workshops where we start group chats and they can connect on the issues that they're struggling with at that time in their journey. Because had I not had my mom and like my one friend at the time who was divorced, I don't know that I would have come out of this as well as I did. So I think it's really important that people have at least one person who's been through it and who's come out on the other side who can say, no, you don't need to respond to that text. And no, you don't need to worry about that because here's how it actually worked out for me. Or don't do what your lawyer's telling you to do. That's terrible advice. You know, you don't know what you don't know. So I think it's really important. 
Right. It's definitely. So tell everybody where they can find you and all of your awesome services and everything. Sure. So I am at the Michelle Dempsey on Instagram. Um, my website is momsmovingon.com. And there you'll find links to working with me, joining the membership community, listening to my podcast, uh, pre-ordering my book, which I think is probably going to be the best way for anyone to help themselves through this. I'm so excited for it to come out. It was such a labor of love. Um, and mom's moving on everywhere except for Instagram. I'm the Michelle Dempsey. So feel free to reach out if you have questions. I'm pretty good about answering people most of the time. Awesome. And even if you're not divorced, I feel like you're, I mean, your Instagram account, you know, I still get so much out of what you post and everything. So it's really just about, you know, healing and self-love and everything, which is awesome. Thanks so much for being with us. Thank you, Danielle. I'm so happy to be here. It's yeah. really exciting for me to be able to talk to you. So thank uh, you. And good luck with the book. I can't wait. I'm totally, I need a copy when it comes out. And um, Got it. Sure. Yeah, All right, good. All right, thanks, Michelle. You have a great day. You too.